0: Hey Trademark, how's it going? I miss you guys so much. I wish that we could be together this week. I wish that this quarantine and virus and everything wasn't happening, but I am so grateful and I've just been grateful over the last couple weeks for how incredible our kind of modern age and technology is. Even when I was a kid, this sort of stuff would not have been possible for a church like ours on on the scale that we can do it at. So I'm so grateful for all the advancements that technology has given us to to be able to communicate with one another. I know I enjoyed so much last Thursday uh, being on Zoom with a few of you guys. We were Bible studying and uh, enjoying that time. So I'm, I'm just so grateful for all that technology has and all that it offers to us and enables us to do with one another, for one another, it, it's just really cool. So I'm glad you're tuning into this week's message. I wish that we could be together in person and I long for the day when we can be back together in one room as one body gathered together. But for now, we do it through this screen and, and so I'm, I'm glad you've tuned in this evening, this morning, whenever it is you're watching this video. And we've been going through our series, Citizens and Strangers. We just finished that last week, going through the Gospel of Matthew, talking about the teachings of Jesus, the life of Jesus, how Jesus wants us to live as citizens of his kingdom. And Matthew, the book of Matthew, climaxes in the ending with Jesus' entry into the city of Jerusalem, Jesus' crucifixion and his ultimate resurrection. And so what I wanna do this week as we are approaching Palm Sunday and Easter, uh, I, I want to take some time to examine the crucifixion story, to examine what is maybe the cornerstone of our faith is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So this week we're going to look at the story of Jesus's crucifixion in Matthew 27. Next week, Pastor Gabe is going to take us through the story of Jesus's resurrection in Matthew 28, a- a- and we're going to spend a couple weeks just marinating in this story because there's no more important story in all of scripture, this is the most important thing is that we are a people united around the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and all that that means for us. You know, there are so many different churches throughout the world, throughout our country, who, who differ on, on small things. We, we differ on so many different doctrinal issues and, and, and things that, at the end of the day, don't matter nearly as much as the all-important fact that Jesus is the king of the world. He died a death to atone for our sins, and he rose to life so that we can live with him forever. So we're just gonna examine this story over the next couple weeks. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 27. That's what we're gonna be reading today. And I would encourage you, if you have uh, some paper with you, a notebook, take some notes, engage, even though you are at home, maybe in your bedroom, on the couch, wherever you are watching this message, I would encourage you to engage, just like a normal Wednesday night. So be taking notes, be in your Bible. If you need to pause this video right now to go grab a Bible, grab a notebook, grab a pen, that's okay. You can do that. No one's going to know. It'll be our little secret. I won't tell anyone, but, but I want you to be prepared to hear the word of God and, and, and to lean in to, to what God would have to, to say to you today. So I'll give you a second to just get yourself ready, prepare yourself, turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 27 verse 15 is where we're going to pick up the story. Matthew chapter 27, verse 15. I'm going to try to keep up and keep the words on the screen behind me. If I miss a verse here or there, I'm so sorry. But we're just doing the best we can. So Matthew chapter 27, verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, or Jesus, who is called Christ. They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. where did we go? And all the people answered, his blood be on us, And on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him, and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink, mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. And now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. There were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed him, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and James and Joseph and Mary, the sons of Debite, so we have this story in matthew twenty seven of the crucifixion there's so many things going on, and we could honestly spend you know we could spend weeks just looking at this story and dissecting all the different passages. but, but what I want to do today is I want to point out three key things that are happening during the crucifixion story, what Jesus is doing on our behalf and and the first thing is is jesus died in our place jesus died in our place we we see this from the story of barabbas it, 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 the the bible tells us that that there there's a feast and the governor is choosing to release a prisoner. This is a common Jewish custom and practice. They would have this this celebration once a year celebrating the removal of the sins from the nation of Israel. It, it it's something that they'd practiced from when the nation was first born in the desert and, and now up until today they've they've practiced this feast where they celebrate God's God's uh, God's forgiveness of their nation, God's leading their nation out of captivity in Egypt and and into freedom and they commemorate this by releasing a prisoner and so the people are gathered and and they're, they're told we have two prisoners in custody. One is this man Barabbas. Barabbas is a murderer and a killer. He's in prison because he's killed Roman officials. He's a rebel against the government of Rome. He is by all means a bad dude. He's he's not the kind of guy that you would want to associate with. He's certainly not the kind of guy that you'd want to let free into society just to wreak havoc once more. The other figure is, of course, Jesus, who has done nothing but miracles and good things. He's he's taught a religion of peace. He's healed people of their diseases. He's cast out demons. He has been a, a good teacher building up the house of Israel. And when the people are asked They're told, we we want to release Barabbas and we want to kill Jesus, even though he's done nothing wrong. And, And what's happening here is Matthew is painting a picture of what Jesus is doing for us. See, you and I are Barabbas. We are no better than he is. I've never killed a man, but I've hated someone in my heart. I, 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 I've never you know, rebelled against the government, but I've certainly had rebellion in my heart and in my life. And in the eyes of God, there is no sin that is somehow better than another sin. There, there's no sin that, that's somehow less evil. There, there, there's no degrees of evil within the mind and heart of God. All sin is sin, and all sin deserves death and punishment. Barabbas deserves to be punished. He deserves to die. He should not go free. Jesus is a man who deserves to be set free. He's done nothing wrong. And yet, Jesus dies and Barabbas walks free. And this is a picture of you and I. That that we are sinful people just like Barabbas. We are broken inside of us. And and we deserve the death penalty. We deserve this crucifixion. We deserve to die and be tortured and, and suffer for all of eternity. And yet, Jesus dies in our place. This is an incredible thing that happens And now, because of the death of Jesus, we walk free. The second thing that happens in in the crucifixion of Jesus is that Jesus is crowned as a king. I'll I'll redirect your attention to Matthew 27, verse 27. And and we see that that Jesus, after after he's sentenced to death, he goes and, and the Roman soldiers take him. They begin to mock him. They, they strip him of his clothes and they put on the, this, this royal purple robe, this, this garment that only a king would ever wear. They, they, they pull out his beard and they, and they spit on him and, and they weave a crown of thorns and they place that on his head. They put a reed in his hand. All this imagery, it's, it's imagery of a coronation scene. It's imagery of what you do when you crown a new Caesar, a a new leader of the empire, a new king. He he would have been given a royal robe. He would have been given a scepter, which represented the authority to rule. He would have been given a crown representing his kingly authority and his inherited position. And again, Matthew is cleverly crafting this story and, and showing us that when in an ironic twist of fate, as Jesus is being mocked and prepared for execution, he's actually being crowned king of the world. See, the cross is a coronation ceremony. When, when Jesus dies on the cross, he's being crowned king of the universe. He's ascending to his throne in heaven and he's ruling and reigning over all of the earth. Scripture speaks of the earth as the inheritance of the Lord. It it, it says the kingdoms of the world shall become the kingdom of our God. Jesus is the king of the world and, and this is shown on the cross as he's beaten and mocked and the crown of thorns is placed on his head in a wonderful irony for those of us who follow Christ. He actually is being crowned as our king And now, on the cross, he's given authority over every principality, over every element of spiritual darkness. Christ is proclaimed the victor over evil, over the grave, over death. And now, for Jesus, there is nothing that can defeat his kingdom. He is king of the world, and he's proved it for all time through his death on the cross. He's defeated death. He's defeated sin. He's defeated the grave. And now, you and I as members of God's kingdom, as participants in his death, this is true for us as well, that Jesus has defeated defeated death on our behalf. Jesus has defeated sin on my behalf and on your behalf. We no longer walk in darkness, but now we walk in light because of what Jesus has done for us. The third thing that happens on the cross is that Jesus dies to bring us to God. The the moment that Jesus dies, he breathes his last, he gives up his spirit, and it says the very next thing that happens, there's an earthquake, and the veil in the temple is torn. And, And now, if you're not familiar with the, the, the ancient kind of Hebrew scriptures. If you're not familiar with the, the temple cult, you, you may be a little confused. Why do we care that some tapestry was ripped? Well, well, this veil would hang inside of the temple. It would hang before what was called the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. It, it was the room in the temple where God's presence, his very person would dwell with the people. It, it was a sacred place. It was a special place. And, and there was this thick curtain. We, we, we think it was about two inches thick, so it's, it's not by any means a small thing. It's a, it's a thick curtain, and, and it's long, up to eight feet in the air, and, and it's ripped from top to bottom. And the picture is this curtain which, which separates God's people from his presence, which only the high priest could go into, and only once a year, and only when he had no sin. And even then, sometimes he would die because there was some hidden sin in his heart because a sinful person can't possibly step into the presence of God and and not be totally destroyed and devastated. This curtain is ripped in half, and and now the presence of God, the holiest place in the temple, the very place where Christ and and God and his spirit dwells is open to all of us. This This is a symbol for us as believers that we have access to the very presence of God, that we are no longer cut off from, from, the, from, from our Father. We're no longer cut off from God. The, the veil is torn and we can now enter into the presence of God without fear of death, without fear of being struck down for our sin, without fear of God's presence. We enter in boldly, the, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, we come boldly before the throne of grace, confident that we can receive mercy and find grace sufficient to help us in our time of need. This is what Christ has secured for us through his crucifixion, the veil is torn and we can now enter directly into the presence of God through Christ. As, as I close, I'd I just like to give a few personal applications for what this means in my life and in your life. The first thing is that Jesus was punished so that you don't have to be. I'll say that one more time because it's maybe the most important truth of the Bible. Jesus was punished so that you don't have to be. Jesus was punished so that I don't have to be. I deserve to bear the wrath of God for all of eternity. You deserve to bear the wrath of God for all of eternity for your sin. And yet, because of the work of Jesus, because of the death of Jesus on the cross, he has born your punishment, he has taken all of your sin on himself, every last part, the the darkest, deepest, most evil secret sin that you would never tell anyone, Jesus knows he's taken it on himself, he's borne the punishment, your most egregious, your most heinous, your most evil act, that, that, that deserves an eternity of torment in hell. Jesus has borne it upon Himself. He's carried your sin for you, brother, sister. Are you still weighed down by your sin? Do you still feel like like, like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop in your life? Do you still feel as though you you are so guilty and guilt-ridden that you can't possibly stand before God, that you can't possibly read a Bible, you can't possibly pray because how could God ever love someone like you, dear brother, dear sister? Jesus was punished so you don't have to be. All of that guilt is on him. All of your shame is on him. And if you put your trust in Jesus, you can participate in his death and receive his life. Maybe you're watching this and and you're not sure whether that's true for you. You don't know if Christ has really borne your sin. I would encourage you, put your trust in Christ. And scripture is clear, when you put your trust in Christ, all of your sin, all of it is on him. And you can, you can end this video today Guilt-free, shame-free. Christ can bear your sin. Put your trust in him. Put your hope in him, put your faith in him. If you have questions about how that works, you can DM us, you can message us below, you can send myself or Pastor Gabe or one of our youth leaders a text, and we'd love to walk you through what that looks like and what that is in your life But listen, you don't have to bear the weight of your sin. It's on Jesus. The second thing that has happened is Jesus has purchased your allegiance. See, see, we're set free from sin. We're, we're, we're set free from, from all of our disobedience, all of, our, all of the evil in our hearts and in our lives is, is dealt with on the cross, but Jesus has also purchased your allegiance. You now have a responsibility because he has bought your life, he's paid with his blood. You now have a responsibility to walk in his way, to follow his teachings, to obey his commandments. He owns your life. He owns every part of you. This is what it means to trust Jesus. Not just a get out of hell free card, but but a full trust. My whole life is devoted to him. Every part of me is his. Everything I am, everything I have belongs to Jesus. I give it all to him. He has all of it. All of my heart. All of my obedience. All of my devotion. All of my time. Jesus has Purchased your allegiance as the king of the world. You now owe him your life. He's bought it. See, a gospel that only preaches forgiveness of sins and doesn't preach obedience to the call of Christ is a false gospel. You cannot have your sins removed but then go on living as though Christ is not the king of the world. Those two things are incompatible. And and let me warn you today and tell you today, if you are living believing that your sin is dealt with but you also live believing that you do not have to follow what God says in his word, you live believing that, that you don't need to care about what Jesus thinks about your life, you are not saved God's wrath is still on you. You need to trust Christ, which means, yes, you trust him to remove your sin, but you also trust him to lead and guide your life. You trust him to to give you direction. You trust him to give you guidance. You trust him to give you a law, and you joyfully and willfully submit to that law because his law is a law of life. Jesus came that you may enter into life not death. He he frees you from death. He brings you into life. He he gives you a law and his law is the path to life. Obedience to Christ is is the greatest joy you will ever find. Die to your sin and live to Christ. The final thing that that Jesus' death does for us, the, the final application, you have access to the Father. Listen, the veil has been torn for you. There's nothing that can keep you back from the presence of God. And, and if you struggle to, to follow the, the, the law of Christ, if, if you struggle to obey, you, you are in good hands because so do I and so has every believer through all of history and so will every believer until Christ returns. I, 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 I do not mean by any means to present a picture of easy obedience. Jesus says that if you're going to follow him, you're going to take your cross. It's going to be hard to obey. It's gonna be hard to follow what he's called you to do, but you have access to the Father. You have access to the Spirit of God. You have access to the presence of God that can empower you to obey the command of Christ, that can fill you with strength, that can enable you to do all that is asked of you. So believer, enter into God's presence. Don't try to white knuckle yourself into the kingdom of heaven, it won't work. Don't try to just hold on and and, and obey and and just try your hardest and and work your bones dry. Rely on the presence and the power of God. Yeah, it's gonna take some work. Sometimes you do have to just grit those knuckles and and bare your teeth and, and choose obedience even though it's difficult. But you do it with the presence of God, with the power of the spirit in your life enabling you into obedience, to walk in the way that God has called you to walk, to live in the way that God has called you to live. You have access to the presence of God. And now you have the love of God available to you, poured out on your life. You have the acceptance of God poured out on your life. You have the presence of God and the peace of God poured out on your life. Believer, are you struggling with fear and anxiety in this season? The presence and the peace of God is available to you. All you have to do is ask. Do you struggle and and feel as though you're unworthy and unloved and unlovely and worthless? The presence of God is available to you. You can enter into God's presence. You can experience the love of God. the, The spirit of God can overwhelm your heart with his acceptance. All you have to do is ask. Come before his throne. Enter into the presence of God. Commune with him through prayer. It is available to you. You, you, you don't have to walk this life on your own. Do you feel lonely? The presence of God is with you. Are you downcast the presence of God? The joy of God is with you, believer. This is what you were designed for. Relationship with God. Not just obedience as a servant or a slave, but relationship as a son and a daughter of God. You have access to your father. Don't waste that access. Don't spend your days chasing after YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and and, and neglecting your father. He loves you. He, He paid the highest price imaginable for you. So enter into his presence. Experience his love and his peace and his joy. Be filled with his power. This is eternal life, not just a life after death, but the fullness of life now, enjoying all that God has for you in this life. Let's pray as we end our time together. Father, thank you for your incredible, incredible love. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you've given us, all that you've bought for us and won for us through your blood. God, we, we thank you for, for your sacrifice. Jesus, we thank you for what you did on the cross. We, we thank you that you were punished for our sin. You were punished so that we don't, we don't, have, to, we don't have to live under the weight of our shame and our guilt. Lord, we acknowledge you as the king of the universe, as the king of our lives, and as the king of our hearts, and we willfully and and, and lovingly submit to your authority over our lives. I pray that that we would enter into your presence, God. Spirit, I pray that you'd fill our hearts with your peace and your presence. Thank you that we have access to you. I pray that we would live in as, as crucifixion people. We would live centered around your work for us. I have been crucified with Christ. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's for your beautiful name and your glorious hymn we pray, amen. Thank you for tuning in, Trademark. I so enjoyed getting to spend some time with you, even over this distance. I I look forward to our times together again. Stay tuned in. We're gonna get back on Zoom this week. Right now, I'm looking at Friday afternoon as a time for us to study God's word together and fellowship with one another. Hope you can join us for that. I will see you very soon. I love you guys. Be blessed. Oh, and, and of course, what better way to end? Jesus, you are better than anything in this world. I love you guys.